It was a very early morning in Texas, and Camilla had just woken up to do her chores. This included feeding her animal friends and cleaning their stalls. As she was picking out vegetables for the animals to snack on, she heard a commotion from the pig stalls. The pigs were always silly and friendly. They were best friends who never fought with each other, so hearing them squealing made her heart drop. They were in danger. Camilla ran as fast as she could. She reached the pig stalls and froze in her tracks. A creature the size of a large dog was slowly creeping towards the frightened pigs. It had leathery skin, long, sharp claws, and spiky hair along the ridge of its back. The creature turned a facer and snarled, showing a mouthful of sharp fangs. Camilla ran and turned on the floodlights. She had no idea what to do. She had no weapons. But she wasn't going to let her friends get hurt, so she grabbed a pitchfork and ran back to the pig stalls. When she got back, thankfully, the creature was gone. After she had calmed the pigs down, she got on the phone and called everyone she could think of. Animal control, the police, the zoo, anyone that might help her identify what had tried to attack the pigs. Everyone brushed off her concerns. They were only farm animals after all, they said. It was probably a coyote, they said. She slammed the phone down in frustration. Camilla loved every single animal she had rescued, and she would not let any of them get hurt. Getting the folks around her to care had always been difficult, but she would not give up. The next morning, Camilla went back to her local feed store to see if anyone else had seen the creature. She found out that some of the farmers who lived near her were not as lucky as she was. They had lost in total five cows and 15 goats. No one else had seen the animal responsible, and they looked at her with amusement when she described what she saw. Just like the folks on the phone, they brushed her off. Camilla was about to give up when she noticed a young girl was following her around the store. She approached her slowly. The girl seemed nervous. Hello, Camilla said brightly. Um, hi, the girl responded. Did you hear what I was talking about? The animal that tried to attack my pigs? Yes, I hear the farmers talking about it too. My father owns the store. Have you heard anything else from them? Like what the animal might be or where it came from? The girl looked at her nervously. It's okay, Camilla told her. I promise I'll believe you. It comes from the sky, the girl whispered. What? Camilla didn't understand, but she was suddenly very afraid. El Chupacabra, the girl said. Camilla rushed home and called her friend Daniela. She needed help. Hello, my folklorist team. Our adventure today takes us to the city of McAllen, Texas. McAllen is located at the southern tip of the state in El Rio Grande Valley on the Mexico-United States border. My cousin Daniela lives there and reached out to me because her friend needs backup. Camila Flores, who runs an animal sanctuary in the area, reached out to us for help. She rescues animals from farms who no longer have use for them. These animals are sweet, mischievous, funny, sentient beings. And a few days ago, something had come for Camilla's friends. 
It was big and scary, and we we're going to help her stop it. Brian and I met Camilla at her home, and she took us on a tour of the property while she told us about running into the creature. It had come back once since she first saw it. Camilla had been prepared this time with a shotgun and ran out to protect the goats that were calling for help. I shot at the thing, and it disappeared right before my eyes. I know what that sounds like, but I swear that's what happened. We believe you. You know the drill, folklorists. Off to the library. Chupacabras were first reported in 1995 in Puerto Rico, where they were blamed for attacks on goats, sheep, and other domestic animals. They were different from other predators because they left the animals without any blood. That's what the farmer said happened to their cows, Camilla exclaimed. Other sightings were reported through Latin America, Mexico, and as far north as the United States. Early reports described a creature that stood upright and resembled a large reptilian kangaroo with huge red eyes. However, a different type of chupacabra was also reported in many of the same places. These chupacabras were smaller and stood upon four feet. They looked like dogs, but hairless. That's the one I saw. It looked like a big dog with leathery skin, Camilla shivered. It had huge claws, fangs, and walked on all fours. We found dozens of accounts of people who had seen El Chupacabra, but could not find any information on how to keep the animals safe from it. El Chupacabra first attacked the small town of Canovanas, Puerto Rico, where it killed over 150 animals. There, a woman named Madeline Tolentino gave the first description of the creature. Just like with Camilla, she was dismissed, and everyone even blamed the movie's species for Madeline's overactive imagination. However, the killings didn't stop, and soon there were more sightings of the creature that matched Madeline's. We even found an interview with the town sheriff who talked about his encounter saying El Chupacabra was not of this world. I studied the drawings of the two creatures. It's interesting that there are two versions of the Chupacabra. They're very different, but share territory, eat the same thing, and both leave their victims without blood. Can we talk to the little girl from the feed store? I can't get what she said out of my mind. It comes from the sky. On our way to the feed store, we came up with a plan. We were going to try to make a trap and set up recording equipment. Then we would have proof and Chubacabra is real. At the store, we sent Brian to gather supplies for our trap and asked the owner if we could speak with his daughter. When we explained why, he scoffed. You can't listen to a child. She has an overactive imagination. It's my aunt filling her head with nonsense. Oh, I said, has your aunt seen a chupacabra too? Could we speak with her? It would really help us out. He shrugged. Sure. Her name is Madeline. She lives in Puerto Rico. I will get you her number, but I'll warn you, she doesn't like strangers. Camilla and I looked at each other excitedly. This was it. His aunt had to be the Madeline, and she was going to give us the help we needed. As we walked out, Camilla saw the little girl who had spoken about El Chupacabra. Tell Tia Maddie that Jessica gave you her number. She'll be nice then, she said with a smile. Camilla whispered, thank you for believing me, giving the girl a hug. Back at the sanctuary, we called Tia Maddie. She didn't pick up, so we left a message, making sure to mention Jessica sent us. We started building the traps, which were basically bigger versions of the traps that we used to get community cats fixed. 
The only problem was we didn't have any bait. We would never put an animal in the cage with them. So we set up the traps at the entrance to the animal stalls and hoped the creature would go into them trying to reach the animals. Camilla looked scared. Don't worry, I said. The traps are strong and it can only get in and out from the opening. They'll be safe. Just to be really sure, Camilla and I checked all the traps one last time and they worked perfectly. We were just finishing setting up the recording equipment when Madeline called back. She was just as described, grumpy and fearless. She listened to Camilla's story and sighed. Yes, that's them. Pero my dear, you haven't seen El Chupacabra yet. They have come back many times and I lost many animals before I figured out how to keep them away. They are smart, much smarter than humans. Humans, I asked. See, mija, they are not from our planet. I have seen their omni. Omni? UFO, I whispered, a chill running down my spine. What do you mean I haven't seen El Chupacabra yet? Camilla asked. El Chupacabra is tall, two-legged, green, and scaly, with red glowing eyes. It's terrifying and can read your mind. There is no escape. A friend of mine lost her life to this creature. Be happy you have not met it, but you will have to get rid of it. But then... Camilla began, but Madeline cut her off impatiently. They learned. After Puerto Rico, they caused such a panic that people were patrolling and shooting at them. So now they don't come themselves. They send their hunting dogs. That is what people are seeing now. Their companions that bring them food. The thing is, they have a bond with these animals just like we do with ours. What you need to do is trap one, and they will leave you alone if you give it back to them. But how do we make the trade? Can we speak to them? How do we communicate? I asked. Remember, they can read your mind, and if they want to, you can read theirs. You just need to be calm and quiet your thoughts. Once you make the deal, they will keep their word. They have so far with me anyway. It's been 10 years. We said our goodbyes, thanking her for everything. Oh, she said suddenly, you have to make the trap out of metal. Those monsters can teleport back to the Omni and wood won't hold them. We looked at each other gratefully. At least we had that part done. I was very worried about this plan. Alien communication? What if we do it wrong and someone gets hurt? We spent two nights with no attacks and hoped the creature had maybe moved on. But on the third night, there was a commotion in the stalls. This time it was coming from the sheep. We checked the camera and there it was, slowly creeping towards the herd. We need to help them, Camilla said urgently. There are babies in there. My blood was pumping. I was scared, but also a little excited. We were about to get actual evidence of El Chupacabra. That had never happened before. And we were going to have video, photo, and maybe even a hair or two. We reached the stalls to find a very frustrated Chupacabra dog pacing outside. We had succeeded in setting up the cages so it could not enter the stalls without tripping the cage door. The sheep were safe, but the cabra dog was not getting into the trap. We needed bait. There was a small gap between the cage and the stall. Camilla looked at me. I can fit. I'll stand near the back of the cage and lure it in. Brian, we need to distract it so Camilla can get behind the cage. 
We grabbed some pitchforks and started yelling, trying to get the copper dog to face us, away from the stall. It turned for a second, but was much more interested in the lambs. We have to get closer, I yelled at Brian. We were about 20 feet from the animal, and the thought of getting closer was terrifying, but it wouldn't turn away from the stall for more than a few seconds. Camilla needed more time. We inched forward about five more feet, jumped up and down, screaming. Still, the animal was preoccupied with the babies. I took a deep breath and ran towards the cobra dog until only the pitchfork was between us. I raised the pitchfork and suddenly couldn't move. A voice inside my head said very clearly, No. And I dropped the pitchfork. Brian grabbed me and pulled me back just as the cobra dog lunged towards me. In the commotion, Camilla slipped past and got in between the cage and the lambs. She picked up the lamb and comforted it while scooting closer to the cage. The copper dog immediately ran into the cage and we dropped the door. We had it and it was not happy. We all looked at each other. What now? Camilla took my hand. Remember what Madeline said, be still and quiet. Quiet your thoughts. I grabbed Brian's hand. Okay, let's close our eyes and take a deep breath. Camilla squeezed my hand. Can you hear it? I could. Inside my head. Let her go, 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 let her go. Over and over again, each time raising in intensity. I could hear Camilla too. We will, she responded, but you can never come back here. You will take your animal and leave mine alone. The cabra started making whining noises, and I began to feel sorry for it. It was definitely scared. Yes, let her go now, the voice said fiercely. Promise, you will leave them alone forever. I could feel Camilla shaking, but her voice was steady and firm. We promise forever, let her go. The three of us got into the stall with the sheep and released the door. The cobra dog ran out, and as soon as it was beyond the trap, it disappeared. Breathing a sigh of relief, Camilla hugged us tightly. Thank you so much. We checked in on all the animals just to make sure that they were safe and help them calm down. It had been a scary night for everyone. Brian grabbed my arm. The footage. All three of us excitedly ran over to the monitors. This was it. Finally, video proof of El Chupacabra. Or Carpet Dog, at least. Brian pressed a play and... Nothing. Static. We watched the whole video. Static. All of it. I don't know how they did it, but I know it was them. The Chupacabra erased the video. Brian and I stayed another week to be certain the Chupacabras were not going to come back. We helped Camilla with the chores and made friends with the animals. It was quiet and peaceful the whole week. We said goodbye, making sure that Camilla knew to call us if anything strange ever happened again. Once you know the truth about what is out there, the strange and unusual seems to follow you always. Be sure to join us next time. Until then, goodbye, Folklore's team. This episode of The Folklorists was researched and written by Brian Q and performed by Brian Q and Mel Martinez. Sound mixing and mastering by M. Glenn Sound. 
This has been a Quinnan Street Project production. We are a nonprofit arts organization fiscally sponsored by Intersection for the Arts and supported by the California Arts Council, the Chamberlain Education Foundation, and generous folks like you. To learn more, visit www.quinnanstreet.org. Thank you.